0: Welcome to the GNT Show.
1: Okay, everybody, welcome to episode seven of the GNT Show. I'm your host, T, and I'm joined once again by my co host, the man who once spent 48 hours in the Belmore car park in anticipation of a game on a Sunday afternoon. G, G, how are you this week?
0: That's not actually a true story, but I'm actually quite good this week. How are you, T?
1: Really good, and and the best soap opera in the world, the NRL continues. Does anybody even watch Soapies anymore? Yeah, they watch it on Netflix. Oh, okay. It's the days of the NRL. Another massive week of Rugby League. There were four games within two points this weekend, so there was a lot of close games, a lot of talking points. The Broncos went from bad to worse this week, so we've we've got a lot to cover, and both our teams lost, so... We will skip over those reviews <laughs> relatively quickly.
0: Just on the um, days of our lives, do you think Peter Villandis could be Ridge from *Bald and the Beautiful*?
1: I think there's about seven people in Australia that get that reference, and I reckon none of them are going to listen to this podcast. And that that it was a big hit. It was, but I wonder how many of them are interested in the bulldog's right hand defence, which they'll get a bit of on this on this podcast. <laughs> so, so, game one: two dominant teams of the last decade coming together. The Roosters and the Storm. The Roosters, of course, lost. The Storm got up. I tipped the Roosters last week because I thought Cam Munster and Cam Smith were out and they don't have a great track record with both of those guys out. But, geez, the Storm were good. Melbourne were just too coo- too good. Jerome Hughes was fantastic. Brandon Smith was, was fantastic as well. I said last week that this could be a preview for them in terms of how they cope without Cam Smith in the future. Their future looks really bright. I know the Roosters are going through injury hell at the moment. They've got a lot of people out and Sonny Bill hasn't made his way back into the team. Just a fantastic performance by the Storm. What did you think, G?
0: I have strong faith in the Storm machine. They're a system. They can put anyone in. Everyone seems to perform at their optimum ability almost every single week. I think Pappenheisen and Addo Carr give them strike power that a lot of teams just cannot match. Addo Carr got the ball in a tiny bit of space. He steps and accelerates and all of a sudden it's danger time. Pappenhuysen just plays off him. It's not just that they're fast. They're incredibly skillful as well. Fantastic. Melbourne, is Jerome Hughes the most awkward-looking, effective halfback in the competition?
1: It's a good call. We spoke about him a few weeks ago and, you know, I didn't really rate him that highly, but every week he just goes in there and does a job. So I'm beginning to rethink my views on Jerome Hughes. He could be the long-term halfback there. From my perspective, I thought the Roosters lost the contact battle, the contact in the tackle, both in attack and defence. I thought they were physically dominated in the ruck. It's interesting you should mention Ryan Pappenhausen and Addo Carr. Both of those players, along with Vunivalu, gives Melbourne Storm a lot of speed. But I think Tedesco has not been playing fantastic the last few weeks. Like the rest of the team, he's been a bit down on form. The question I want to ask you is Brandon Smith. Now, you've got Harry Grant, who's at the West Tigers... And you've got Cam Smith, arguably the greatest player of all time. What do you do if you're Craig Bellamy?
0: I think Cam Smith might go out, especially if they get to the grand final. I think he'll leave his decision till late. He seems that type of guy where he's not going to want the circus around his retirement. He's a little bit humble that way. This is not in between wrestling people on the ground, (laughs) between wrestling moves, But off the field, he comes across as quite a humble guy. The thing for me with Brandon Smith is he's more of a roly-poly, explosive back rower. He's versatile, so I think they'll take back Harry Grant and have Brandon Smith there in their back row and interchange him if Harry needs a break. Look at the talent they've got. I mean, you've got a back rower who's built like a bit of a nugget, easily slotting into dummy half, and they don't miss a beat. The Roosters, too many injuries. That's part of the reason why I tipped against them as well. They lost Lamb, they lost kiri They're suffering a little bit from trying to keep up the intensity week to week, and they've already made two grand finals in a row and I just think it's hard to keep that up. The Roosters, I expect them to improve in a few more weeks, but they've hit a little bit of a rough patch at the moment.
1: But I just want to run through their injury list. Jared Warrior Hargraves had a calf injury, but he's due back this week. Brett Morris, due back this week. Angus Crichton, due back this week. Daniel Tupu, due back this week. This week, Luke Keery out for another two, three, four weeks. Boyd Cordner, concussion and the head knock, he's out indefinitely. Lockie Lamb, his ankle, he's out indefinitely. Mitch Orbison's wrist and indefinite. Victor Radley out for the season. Sam Verrill's out for the season and Billy Smith out for the season. That is anywhere between eight to 10 first graders that would be in their starting lineup out at the moment and they're still going good.
0: Too much stop and start, different combinations, but their performance is still pretty good. And in fact, you know, i will probably expect him to win this week. The Storm, too good. Justin Olam was really good. So it would be good to have him here. Bulldogs team. <laughs> the, the, but, uh, the best
1: Bulldogs center in the call.
0: Speaking of the Bulldogs and the Storm, you know, we had Brenko Lee that we picked up from the Raiders who, you know, had some talent. He showed flashes and he looks like a consistent player that's dangerous every week. If you look at some of these players that pop up at Melbourne, you really see the difference in the coaching and they develop and get the potential out of these players. He's a good example for that. He looks like a dangerous centre. Bulldogs fans that weren't too disappointed he left, whereas now you look at him, he'd be our best centre by a long shot,
1: long way. What I would add to that, G, is that Craig Bellamy, he gives very simple instructions to his players, and they've got two or three things to do in a game, and that's all he's looking for them to do. And as long as they do that well, they keep getting picked. And, and because of that, the Storm show up every week and play at 96% of their talent levels. If you're a if you're a top team and you're a little bit below your talent levels or what you normally play out, if you're playing at 90%, well the Storm's consistency gets over the top of you. And that's why it gets harder for them come semi-finals time as well because in my opinion the intensity lifts and there are more more teams playing closer to their potential. So it'll be interesting to see how both these teams go over the over the coming few weeks.
0: Ideal team, aren't they as a supporter? Year on year, no matter what the circumstances, they're always up there. And if anybody has any doubt about Craig Bellamy probably being the best coach, 2010, remember, they actually played for zero competition points. So they had nothing to play for all year, and they still finished fifth. Mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, they're just just a great coach. I agree with you. If we move along to the next game, which was the Warriors and Panthers, Panthers were toweling everyone up prior to this game. From my perspective, Coruscant may be the buy of the, buy of the season, and Nathan Cleary has just been playing fantastic. Again, Tohu Harris and Jazz Tavega were were great for the Warriors, and I think they're two back rowers that you can really build a team around, and I think Nathan Brown will get good usage out of them. They just lacked a little bit of class in the end. What did you see in this game?
0: Same thing. I mean, they hung in there, right? The Panthers kind of blew them away a little bit at the beginning. I do think Penrith dropped their intensity a little bit, but I also think the Warriors have a little bit of belief that they can sort of challenge some of these sides. So right at the end there, they could have snuck a win where Tavita Harris, all he had to do was give a reasonable pass to their winger and he would have strolled in and scored a try in the corner. So they're doing really well. I think they challenged Penrith. Penrith still played pretty well. I wouldn't say they were off, but I think the Warriors really hung in and really gave him a little bit of a scare. Nathan Cleary, I thought you were going to say he was playing out of his skin, but it looks like he's back into his skin this week and just playing fantastic. You know, they've just got a well-balanced side. And they are very difficult to beat. Jeez, what do you say, you know? I mean, they've only lost one game. Who would have picked that? You would have seen them as improvers. But not to be top of the table and only have one loss all year. And for a young team with COVID, you know, all these things happening off the field. There's a few mental distractions, but it doesn't seem to have impacted them in any way. And they're actually gone, going getting better just about every week.
1: I think they, they look like a football side that's enjoying their football. I think Todd Payton's done a really good job. It's a good audition. It'll be interesting to see who the North Queensland team do put in as their coach, but Todd Payton's done a a great job with them. He could have lost the dressing room with his comments a couple of weeks ago, not taking the head coaching role and, and what happened to that team, but he's kept them together really well especially considering all the adversity they've faced. I want to ask you one question. Roger Sashek, arguably up there with James Tedesco the last few seasons, he's been a bit down on form this year as well. What have, what have you seen there?
0: I'd have to agree with that.
1: Th- thanks for that hard-hitting analysis.
0: Um, very hard-hitting. <laughs> Almost as hard as I'm Jared Maria Hargraves. I, I agree with that because watching him play, he's still effective and he's still dangerous. The defense does watch him and does account for him, but he's not really having the same impact. Like we said, they're playing away from New Zealand. They're away from home. You know, they're not one of the stronger sides. It can really be difficult to play out of your skin. Can I say that? Every single week. It takes of someone to be really strong mentally to be able to do that. And not, You know, RTS, he was in a Roosters team which was stocked full of talent the whole time. Maybe week to week, you could probably coast through the odd game. Whereas at the Warriors, he's been dynamic for the last few seasons, but mentally to try and get up and play at the top echelon of the game, maybe he's just having an off-season mentally with everything that's going on. I think that's what I see.
1: I mean, the rumors are he's going to go to the Auckland Blues and he's, by all reports, he's been very affected by being away from his family as well. So you've you, you got to remember how hard it is for these Warriors teams. All right, moving along to game three, Parramatta versus the Dragons. Of course, the Dragons got up 14-12. So, okay, now the Sharks versus the, <laughs> the, Ty- <laughs> the Titans. <laughs>
0: Don't want to talk about that one.
1: I have got a lot to say about this game. The
0: para have been itching for a loss for a few weeks. Yeah, we
1: haven't been playing well since the Seagulls. Mike Sevo, I think he's been carrying an injury. He was terrible on the game on the weekend. Ravalawa absolutely got over the top of him. Jordan Pereira was also great for the Dragons. I thought thought he played really, really well. Para have not been playing well recently. You know, there's a couple of things really wrong in attack for that side, more so than defence. I think the defence is still quite good. From what I can see of the game, Mitchell Moses is overcalling. We spoke last week about the difference Blake Green made to Newcastle and having a half on either side that forces the defence to actually number up evenly. For us it looks like Mitchell Moses is calling for the ball four or five times out of, in, in the set. So the the defense is leaning that way and he's Dylan Brown's getting starved of the ball a little bit from what I can see. The other thing I saw was that Wonga Blake can't pass left to right. Uh, this is why Blake Ferguson's not scoring any tries and Parramatta defensively can be got around. We do have centers and wingers who like to rush in. Uh, they're still in good shape and I still think they'll be a top four so, side obviously and this loss was coming for a little bit. It was wet again but I just think there's just a few tweaks they can make in attack to rediscover their potency. I wonder whether it's time to drop a couple of players from Brad Arthur just to send a message around complacency and not getting too far ahead of yourself. So well done to the Dragons. What a great way to send Mary McGregor off. They, they played with a bit of freedom. I think there was a bit of te- pressure released from that dressing room, and as a result, they played really, really well. So the last thing I'll say about the Para Saints game, it was a bloody try. Read Marnie. <laughs> That was a try. I actually agree with Phil Gould on this. When we go up to the bunker, we're we're looking for reasons to not award things rather than watching things in their natural flow. I don't like the bunker. I've said that in previous weeks. But if it's going to go up, those types of things have to be given.
0: In general, they're doing a decent job. The issue is with the interpretation of the rule. Like you said, I think the Dragons played really well. Um, Paris' defense is still pretty solid. I think if... They were off in defense. They probably would have lost by a little bit more than they did. They've just been a little bit off, I think, in attack. But they really should have lost a game or two before this. So I think it was just a matter of time. And Dragons playing a little bit more freely... They played quite well. Pereira did have a really good game. He's quite a, you know, he's quite a solid winger, Jordan Pereira. He lacks top-end pace, but he's quite effective. You know, you could see McGregor, and you see the relief on his face. Previous week, it looks like he's grinding his teeth. He's about to, you know, spontaneously combust in the coaching box. or is he just looked relaxed, which was nice to see. It would probably be good for him to step away, I think too much pressure.
1: I think that permeates through the team. I think when the coach is relaxed, the players are relaxed in the same way that when the coach is uptight and, and struggling a little bit, like a Brian Smith in grand finals, then I think that also winds the team up as well. So I don't want to say any more about this. We've got the storm on Thursday night. Moving along to the next game, the Sharks versus the Titans. Um, The only thing anyone could talk about in this game was the Kevin Proctor bite. Was it a bite?
0: I think it was quite ironic that the Titans took a bite out of the Sharks. It's um, It looked more like a kid that was teething, just rubbing on somebody's arm. Your dog trying to get their teeth and sort of playfully playing with your arm.
1: Guys, if you want hard-hitting analysis like that, this is the right podcast to come to. That was the first time someone's been sent off for biting on the field. Well, technically speaking, because there was another person who got sent off for biting in the 80s. Mario Fennick. Got sent off for biting Benny Elias in the 80s. I don't know if you remember this, G.
0: Mario Fennec hates him to this day because of it.
1: Well, what actually happened was Benny Elias bit his own hand and then went and showed the referee, and the referee reacted by sending Mario Fennec off. So Mario didn't actually bite Benny.
0: A lot of animosity over a number of years. Was it a bite? When you look at the slow motion and the real sort of up-close camera angle, it looks like more of a mouth guard rub on his arm, really.
1: Like the dog analogy used. (laughs) Yeah,
0: kind of. Like, you know, a puppy just grabbing its toy. He didn't really bite down or anything like that but reading sean johnson's comments today he did say that he was kind of trying to slow the play the ball down and sort of forcing his arm around his head
1: kevin proctor said he was getting choked and gordon tallis came out and said i would have bit bit him harder
0: he wasn't getting choked
1: you got to have your arm around the neck right to be getting choked you can't get choked in the mouth
0: yeah Exactly, like his arm wasn't around his neck. But he was trying to slow the play of the ball down and sort of trying to push him back. So you would have found Proctor with his mouth open and Sean Johnson was pushing at the same time. So it would have felt like a bite. But when you watch the replay in slow-mo, it wasn't a bite. So he'll get off? I think he will get off, yes. Okay. But there's been so much press about it, and the NRL, historically speaking, is prone to ridiculous reactions when the press is after blood. Well, the
1: judiciary is meant to be independent, though, right? James Graham got 12 weeks. How does this compare to James Graham's one? And I love the puppy analogy, by the way, because it always comes back to dogs with you.
0: James Graham? <laughs> very, very different. Like, James Graham, God love him. was a great, great forward. He bit Billy Slater. Like he was
1: his. James Graham thought Billy Slater was a chicken drumstick from KFC. I
0: think so. He
1: was like he th- he could sniff the colonel's special herbs and spices of Billy Slater. So, listen, it was 12 all until the send-off. The send-off killed it. They ran in for three tries straight afterwards basically in their next three touches from the sharks perspective. CSC CSC Talakai was fantastic. Um, Sean Johnson's been playing great. I know he went off injured. He's been great. I know he's on your Men of League calendar. He absolutely
0: is. SJ, good-looking guy, great player too. Amazing, fantastic, exciting, loving.
1: So what, in particular, do you find most attractive about him?
0: He's got the half-caste thing. Mum's from Laos, I believe, and his dad's um, Maori from New Zealand.
1: Okay. You won't get analysis like that anywhere else.
0: You <laughs> didn't know that.
1: That's the only research G does. So his groin injury, hopefully he'll be back this week. I I think they're thinking it's not as serious as as what it may have looked. Jay Arrow's a big loss for the Titans too.
0: That's okay. The Titans actually have another Jai in reserve. So Jai Whitbread.
1: Okay, thanks. I'm glad we waited for that. (laughs) (laughs) Corey Thompson was moved to the wing on the weekend. So AJ Brimson did keep his spot, like you said. And Brian Kelly both played really, really well. Both looked really dangerous. Corey Thompson really, I thought, had a great role. And played really really well But he's been dropped for this week Despite playing well
0: He has been I think he's The utility guy in reserve that fills in either at fullback or either of the wing positions. The Titans, I thought, were really, really good. I thought they were going to win the game again. And then Jai Arrow went down, then Copley, and then he had to send off. And they kind of fell apart for a little bit. But then they regained their composure to some extent as well. They really showed up, and I thought they would win again.
1: Justin Holbrook, we say it week after week. There's something there. This is going to be a team that's on the up and up. Next year, they'll be in that 9th, 10th, 11th place the way they're going. And the year after, I reckon they'll be, they'll be a red hot go for the eight as they develop and recruit and do all the right things
0: the Sharks I don't know what to make of them I thought they'd lose I mean they did get close and then all of a sudden they scored 30 points
1: I spoke to our favourite Sharks supporter call him AB he acknowledges they're not quite there he said they're the type of team that if you could get on a roll they could be hard to stop too if they start stringing together consistent performances there's going to be a lot of teams they're going to be a bit gun shy to play them in the semis
0: I really firmly believe that Sean Johnson is brilliant I think he's a much maligned player I think because he's so sensational and he was playing for the Warriors people thought. he's hot and cold he's hot and cold but now you're seeing him in a sort of more of a structured team and he's just a conductor he varies the tempo he hits the ball at pace he really threatens the line i mean he's triassist like 2021 20, he's way ahead of it's not even close last year he was hampered by a hamstring problem which for him is a big issue because a lot of it is to do with his mobility and speed and agility and this year that's kind of all gone he's a little bit more physically fitter and he's making a big difference. So I think AB's right. If they do get on a roll, they could be really dangerous. The one person I do think they're missing, if they had Bronch and Zeri... Oh, yeah, he adds
1: that speed.
0: That's the one bit they're missing. They have a good back line, but they're missing that cutting edge that he would have added. I don't
1: think their forward pack's quite there yet. I think that point he made was really, really valid. If they get on a roll and they get a bit of confidence and they're rolling downhill, they will be hard to stop.
0: They can score points, right? So if they can dig in in defence... They have the ability to outscore teams, and I think that's been proven. It's just defensively, they're very hot and cold. Yeah. You know, watching Aaron Woods, it was so funny <laughs> when they scored a try in the corner. Stan. Brayton Nass, yeah. Brayton as the god love him. you, trying to give him credit for playing like a halfback and wrapping around. When all they did was offload the board, and he was just standing there.
1: <laughs> he was, that's oh, right. He was yeah. just standing there.
0: And I thought, wrap around, what? He's just standing there. I mean, it was a good player by Woodsy, but it's like, come on, Braith. He wasn't wrapping around and doing a run around. There's a
1: great Twitter handle, the shit Braith says. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. If you're not following it, follow it. All right, moving along to the next game, which was the Cowboys v Souths. Of course, the Cowboys have been dealing with those terrible circumstances up in North Queensland where they've got a new stadium. No COVID cases. So they're basically allowed to do whatever they want. And that's been really trying on them. So Souths went up there to try and defeat them. Cowboys should have won this game. They should have won. They were 30 to 24 up, four minutes to go. They lost it. Michael Morgan played really well in this game after last week's performance, which was probably less than ideal, would be the way to put it. <laughs> Adam, Adam. The new parent game. The new parent game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I thought he was really, really good. Adam Reynolds was great. The chip and chase is back. How many chip and chases are we seeing now? How good's that?
0: I've really noticed watching a lot of the games is the the kicking behind the line because now they're taking the risk. They can see that the fullback's up and they're just kicking it. Chip and chase, early grubbers behind the line. It's actually become a real feature and it does throw the defense out. The defense has got to think, hey, you know what? These guys might put a little grubber behind us or chip and chase. And Adam Reynolds has still got a little bit of speed. That was a great try. I loved watching that. Bit old school.
1: And, and Drink Waters. What about Drink kicks for the try? Especially the first one to, to, to boot. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I'm terrible with the names. <laughs> just call him the hammer. The hammer. That was a great try. What about his speed, the hammer?
0: He's great to watch. He's young. He's fast. He's elusive. His acceleration. And you know what the good thing is about the hammer? He doesn't look like he's running that fast. which is You know, one of those plays is just a gazelle like. And then all of a sudden, he's just sprinting away yeah, from everybody. Yeah, he was, was light. The try was great. Oh, it was
1: awesome. Kicking was the difference. Kyle Felt went, I think he was two from six from conversions, and Reynolds was four from five. They outscored in terms of tries, the bunnies. They scored more tries, six to five. And the only other thing I really had to say was, any team recruiting Alex Johnson should only ever recruit him on one-year contracts. Because when he's in a contract year, he is great. <laughs> he is great when he's when he's playing for a contract. What did you think?
0: Look, the Cowboys definitely should have won that game. There was some really poor defense from Souths at times. Yes, T, I have been watching the defense a little bit more closely. What what did you find uh, out about
1: Souths' defense?
0: It was horrid at times. I mean, the try that Morgan scored in the first half, it was just him. He dummied to nobody. There was four defenders there, and he just slipped off all of them. Watching that game, I think Souths was sloppy, and I think they were a little bit unmotivated. Cowboys took advantage of that and should have won the game. But what I did notice is as soon as South had to step it up, they hit another gear that the Cowboys didn't have. Like right at the end, how they won that game, I don't know.
1: They absolutely shouldn't have. I mean, I must admit when they scored the try at the end, I thought Adam Reynolds will kick the conversion. He missed it. And then I thought, at at that point, I thought the game was over.
0: But Alex Johnson, dynamic on the wing. But I think with South, they're an enigmatic team. They really are. I think they've got players like Gagai, Mitchell, Johnston, Cody Walker. If it all sticks, they're dynamic. If it doesn't, they're a little bit hot and cold.
1: I mean, a few weeks ago, I thought there were four or five teams that could win the comp and then the rest were all also ran. So I think what we've seen over the last few weeks is the, the competition narrow. The bottom teams are getting better and the top teams are coming back to the field. And I think the gap between them is getting narrower and narrower. Bodes for a good final series. It just goes to show how much origin in mid-season affects the competition proper. Having origin at the end of the season like this gives a better run for the competition rather than having half your team out playing three days after origin. So I think think this makes the competition a lot more even now heading to the business end
0: the point you make about the origin is really interesting because if you think year on year even for fans sometimes you get caught up in the origin hype it basically makes a shambles of the competition for six weeks all everybody talks about is origin no one's really paying attention you've got players in and out of teams it's a little bit of a farce if you think about it to have that situation but kyle felt what were you doing
1: oh, I, I couldn't believe it
0: <laughs> Fifth tackle. Why
1: would you want to strip the ball in that situation?
0: No idea. Fifth tackle. You're ahead. Reynolds has missed a kick. And then you decide to punch the ball out with a guy playing the ball. Just a bit of a brain snap. You know, you've got to
1: question the decision making. It's
0: just one of those things that happens. But watching it at the, at the time, I just thought, what are you thinking? It's a oh. fifth tackle. Mate, come on. You know. But, you know, good show by the Cowboys the attitudes improved a little bit under Hane and somehow South won that game. So great job,
1: Souths! Moving along, the first half of this next game was was actually quite willing, and the Broncos did a great job. But as per every other week so far this year, something's gone horribly wrong at the Broncos. The Raiders versus the Broncos. The Raiders ended up winning thirty-six to eight. The Broncos were actually up at halftime, eight-six. Then they just. Didn't show up in the second half, right? They lost the second half 30-0. It was all one-way traffic. The
0: second half was from some players. I don't give a shit, mood.
1: There's some serious issues. Yes, they're young. They're youngish. But they're just turning their toes up. I mean, they're not trying at times, right? Is it fitness? Are they just not fit enough? Because the game's more quicker now. But I think there's some cultural issues in that club. From a Canberra perspective, John Bateman recovered after Kikau really dominated him the, the previous week. George Williams was great, he orchestrated everything out there. You, you know, for the for the Broncos, Payne Haas, poor Payne Haas, he really has to go somewhere else, just being used as a battering ram, getting through eighty minutes. Paul Gallen came out and said I think they're shortening his career getting him to play 80 minutes through the middle of the ruck week in week out at his age. The other thing I did notice is and I've noticed this for a little while and we haven't raised it before, Jordan Rapana. He's a niggly player, isn't he?
0: Jordan Rapana. Oh, hell
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> he, he definitely is. I like Jordan Rapana though. He plays on the edge. He's one of those guys that will grubber, do a chip and chase. He's kind of a niggler. He's good fun. He adds a little bit of drama to the game in both respects in defense and attack. Thoughts on Canberra. George Williams really starting to play better and better every week. You know, coming from England, it's always an adjustment period. Seems to be as soon as the weather's gotten colder, he started to play better. It might be a coincidence. <laughs> I don't know. But um, he's been fantastic. You can really see him. He's confident. He'll take on the line with cutout passes, floating passes. He'll grubber behind the line. He'll chip over the line. He played really well. But I just thought the Broncos, some of the defense in the second half, it wasn't that they missed tackles or misreads the play. They just...
1: There was a lack of effort.
0: From a first-grade rugby league perspective, I think they lacked some effort. And then this week, you sort of hear these rumors that there's a little bit of a split in the team. That's starting to show up on the field a little bit, I think.
1: You think it's starting to show up on the field. What have you been watching for the last 10 weeks?
0: No, I think I gave them the benefit of the doubt at... The beginning,
1: is there any doubt left at the beginning? You were, you were giving them the benefit of the doubt last week.
0: No, I think last week I started to change. It was the week before I was giving them the benefit. Of the oh, well, I'm
1: glad Fortnite's made a real difference,
0: <laughs> it has. But the last two weeks, gee, some of the defense, there's a few players in that team that I think are a little bit too much too soon.
1: I think some of those players are overrated. The way they're playing.
0: Big hype, big contracts, they're young, they haven't really achieved anything. And I think that's showing up on the field. They think they're better than they are.
1: Yeah. We just announced a bit earlier this afternoon, there was a $140,000 fine for 10 of them breaking the COVID bubble rules in Brisbane. The club got fined $75,000 and 10 players got... Docked five percent of their salary, which totals sixty-five grand. So there's some there's some cultural issues there. That's not one or two. That's ten people that have gone out of line to a party or whatever else it was. And you need senior leadership in situations like that to say, "Hey, boys, this is not the right thing to do." Anthony Siebold's still, of course, dealing with family issues. He'll be back this week, but the end of the season can't come soon enough for the Broncos.
0: Well, T, what about Tavita Pengoy He went oh. to the NRL during the week, and uh, they asked him.
1: <laughs> a man needs a haircut, G. A man needs a haircut. I wouldn't expect you to understand.
0: I unfortunately have no hair to cut anymore, but he couldn't promise that he wouldn't breach it again. <laughs>
1: Well, at least he he's was been, honest.
0: He's honest, but he's been still down for I don't know how long at the moment.
1: I think he's someone whose reputation—if he's not careful, his reputation's going to mean that he actually doesn't get the, the money he should, right? Because a lot of teams aren't going to touch him.
0: Well, see, he's not young anymore, right? He's starting to get into the—I'm a seasoned 1st grader stage. He's 24, so he's not a 20-year-old like some of these other kids. No, you know, you can see the Broncos still have talent coming through, but like you said, I think the culture's not right at the moment.
1: Moving along to the Sunday games, uh, these were these were both fantastic fantastic, weren't they? So We'll start with the Knights versus the Seagulls, 26-24. Uh, Cade Cust's first try was fantastic. Great piece of skill. He's in your Men of League calendar mm, as well.
0: Not, not quite. I think Vunivalu is de- a definite.
1: For your Men of League? Yes. Can they see if you're looking at their profile online on Instagram or Facebook or whatever?
0: No, I've trawled through uh, nrl.com and the team sites. Yeah, Vunivalu I think will be on there. you got Sean Johnson, Scott Sorensen, Sonny Bill. So we've got four already, yep. I think. Yeah.
1: Have you considered Sean Gota from the EPL?
0: No. People look up Sean Gota and I don't think he'd qualify. (laughs) All right.
1: So the Knights got up in the end. It was topsy-turvy a little bit. Desi, after the game, repeated what Ivan Cleary said a little bit, which was he accused the refs of managing the game. So up until the last penalty, it was was an 11-3 penalty count, finished 11-4. Because we haven't seen penalty counts this large this season because of the six-again rules. So how much do you think desi's point was right desi delivered it in a calm fashion i thought
0: surprisingly yes
1: he's not a spring chicken anymore desi so
0: probably watching the fines the hip pockets hurting a little bit
1: what did you think of those comments
0: i mean it's been proven that they have as a human being if you know you've effed up a penalty you kind of try to square the ledger but they used to do it you remember they used to have codes and they'd even up the penalty counts if the penalty counts were eight two at half time They'd always end up eight seven or something like that. So they they would manage the game, and they actually do it.
1: So you think Desi's just pointing out what's been going on for years?
0: Without a doubt, you go in into the halftime. They talk to each other. The rest of like, hey mate, you know the penalty counts um, nine two to the Sea Eagles. It's in the back of your head. Right? When you go out, you don't want to be perceived to be unfair either.
1: I think I think what this is showing is that you you'd be Barry Gomisil,
0: grasshopper.
1: <laughs> you would be. The most biased referee, if you were a referee, you gave.
0: Absolutely not. I would actually make the players play to the rules. I'd be iron-fisted.
1: You could do whatever you liked on defence because you weren't watching.
0: No, you could lie on the tackle player for eight, <laughs> 79 minutes of the game. So I would actually blow penalties all the time. And in my opinion, two seasons ago where the referees really cracked down, I thought the football, even though the game was a bit stop and start, the football at the beginning of the season was fantastic, and some of the traditional powerhouses that relied on wrestling and slowing down the ruck really struggled for a few weeks until there was too much of an outcry about the penalty counts.
1: I'll tell you where I think the referees went wrong. It was when we started getting into this dominant, non-dominant tackle.
0: Thanks, Phil Gould. That's all Phil Gould's fault, by the way. I have a very good memory, T.
1: Yeah, his memory's a lot better than his jokes.
0: It is, actually. When he was involved at the Roosters, they brought in the gang-tackling style with Ricky Stewart, and he would always commentate, and he would always say, let the tacklers finish their work. So what you'd get is three guys picking up some little guy, smashing him, and then, then all of a sudden surrender and dominant came into it.
1: We, we started getting into an area we, sh- we shouldn't have gotten into, right? Like, it's just you make the tackle, get up off the player, right?
0: Ch- you change the game. A friend of mine works with an ex-first-grade referee. Even when he was reffing, their general rule was counter three, get off. There wasn't surrender. There wasn't dominant. It had a general rule. Three seconds off the tackle player. So there was no extra work and you were able to rub the guy's face in or wrestle and slow the play of the ball down. And I think that significantly changed the game.
1: Okay. I think Mitch Barnett's been playing great for the Knights. I know you spoke about his pass last week. Beyond that pass, he's actually just doing a few more offloads. He's bringing a lot more variety to his game that's making him a lot more dangerous. And the other person I thought was excellent was a that looks like a Desi Hasler player through and through was Taniella Paseka.
0: It was one of those games you had four tries from kicks Cade Cus' kick, like you said, was fantastic. It was an amazing piece of skill, really. Oh, fantastic. Deliberately kick it through two players on the inside, run around and pick it back up was, was brilliant. They're very evenly matched sides. And I think the score reflected that. It was a bit of back and forth. Like I said, tries from kicks. You know, 26-24, Kalen kicks the conversion from the corner to put the Knights ahead and they win the game. It could have gone either way. I think the Knights, again, were a little bit more dangerous in attack that Allowed them to always strike back once Manly got ahead. I like the center, Tuala. Good on his feet. Can run an angle and step. I think the try he scored at the end was a really good try. Came in on an angle and stepped past the defense as well.
1: Brad Parker. He looks like Hank Scorpio from the Simpsons. He is the spitting image of Hank Scorpio. who was the supervillain that recruited Homer.
0: Brad Parker. So we've got a Simpsons character playing for Manly.
1: Hank Scorpio.
0: Manly, I thought they played pretty well. I thought the Knights played well. And it was a good standard of football and a good game to watch.
1: All right. Last game of the round is the West. Tigers versus the Bulldogs. My favorite part of the week, as I've mentioned last week, is talking to you about the Bulldogs after a loss. It's just magnificent. I think if the club is short of money, if your right hand defense starts charging a toll for every time someone goes past them, you'd certainly pay back any debts that the club may have. Benji absolutely terrorized your right hand defense. Conversely, the West Tigers' right hand defense was also terrible. So it was a battle of who was going to be the least worst which ended up being the Tigers. Again, this is probably a game the Dogs should have won. How much better does Jeremy Marshall King look when he runs? Threatens the line. More
0: like he doesn't give a shit in terms of he just plays. He's not sitting there overthinking things or trying to play slow and just feed the, the game plan. He's actually running and trying to be dangerous. He He's done that at the end of each season when there's been nothing to play for. So you could see it's...
1: Yeah, he's, he's much better when he runs.
0: He looks far better. He's actually got a little bit of pace. And he's got some good passing skill, but for some reason, he doesn't play that way. I think he's been coached not to, and it's hard to get back into that mindset of playing what you see and attacking the line.
1: I mean, he nearly butchered that try.
0: He did nearly butcher that try. He was, he, all he had to do was actually just step over the He was over the line when score. he passed the ball. You've got to give Aiden Tolman another try. Come on.
1: And that would have been his perfect opportunity with the ball to put his shot on his brother, Benji.
0: He should have. In the end, they should have won the game. But I honestly think the Tigers just switched off. It was too easy. They got ahead too quick.
1: Maybe, maybe.
0: The Dogs, in credit to them, even after being behind, still hung in there and still gave it another go and tried to win the game. And they came back. And then the Tigers... I don't know how they won that game. It was a
1: bit like the second half against Para, right? You came back in the second half, and over the balance of the game, you probably deserved it in the end, but you've forgotten how to win.
0: Good attitude, you know. Um, Nick Meaney gets better every week. He's just improving bit by bit. And I think it's also, he's he's our most dangerous player in attack.
1: Jury's out for me on Nick Meaney. I need to see him on a better team.
0: Do you actually think he has the potential to be a really good player?
1: For me, for Nick Meaney, there's glimpses of something there. The issue for him, though, is to play in a team with structure and a, and, and a coach and someone to learn off. Because I think he's at a critical point in his development, where if he plays for journey teams like, you know, like the Gold Coast Titans, where a few years ago, before Justin Holbrook got there, like the Dogs are now. Uh, North Queensland doesn't have a coach you know if he plays for a team like that he could end up not fulfilling his potential but if he ends up at a really good team it's like Ryan Pappenhausen right everyone passed on Ryan Pappenhausen until he got to the Melbourne Storm System and I think Nick Meaney's a little bit like that. He needs to have good players around him so we can see how good he really is. James Tedesco at the Roosters is a different level above James Tedesco at the West Tigers.
0: I think he's got something. He can pass. He's quite an elegant runner in terms of he, he's got long. He's a long strider and he's got speed. But he's he's got to build up to that speed.
1: So what's his potential? What's his ceiling then? So if Corey Thompson didn't go to the Titans and was on the market. Would you have wanted him to be your fullback?
0: Good question. I think you sometimes you know, fall in love with the players on your own team a little bit, potential-wise. I would probably say no. I like Corey Thompson as a winger. I think he's really good and really safe. He's error-free, but he also can roam around. That's the one thing you notice on the weekend. Justin Holbrook and Dimmick let him roam around a little bit, even from the wing, which made him more dangerous. And he's got a nose for the ball, but I think Meany's, he's just got speed, you know, and he's got good skill. But I'd like to see him follow the ball a little bit more. I think the try he scored down the middle of the field and it turned a half chance into a try. I think if he was playing at Manly, for example, I think he'd make a massive difference.
1: But he's not going to play at Manly over Tommy Turbo. His ceiling's not Tommy Turbo.
0: No. Truboevich is a freak.
1: I can't see him being Roger Tuovasashek, James Tedesco, Tommy Turbo. I can't see him being that sort of player. Um, I could see him being a Dylan Edwards, Corey Thompson, that type of player.
0: You're right. I don't think he'd be in the elite class, but he can be, I think, at full potential a step below that
1: you know who he reminds me of mick potter mick potter was the saints fullback he wasn't ahead of gary belcher he wasn't ahead of gary jack but mick potter was a very 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 good first grader
0: two dally m player of the years mick potter
1: so i don't i'm not saying nick Meany's going to get dally m player of the year but but he's that he's not going to be the elite class but he could also turn into a very very good player now i don't think he turns into that very very good player at the dogs
0: look at some of the team's where he would probably make a big difference. I think the Tigers would be one. They're, they're lacking that, that thrust from fullback. I think Nick Meany would actually make a big difference for Penrith, even though I think Dylan Edwards is playing really well.
1: well Dylan Edwards has had a sneakily excellent season.
0: We're lacking class. Our centres are the slowest centres in the competition by a long way. And Lafayette, I don't know what's happening. He, is he wearing cement in his boots?
1: Tim Lafayette was on G's Men of League calendar and look at the fall he's taken now.
0: The one thing I did like was Matt Dury, the young kid, playing his debut game. Got to try. You can see he's carrying a bit too much bulk. Like he even ran funny. Talk about not fluid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But great, great effort. He's He's got something. He held his own. Like in the forwards too, you know, so he played really well.
1: Norfolum was great for the West Tigers and I thought Cogger and Foran... As a combination, as opposed to individually playing well, I thought that's probably, as a combination, the best they've played. But Noel Faluma,
0: how about his pass to Ghana? Stepping like literally inside past four or five guys. Awesome to watch. Great on his feet. Tigers lucky to get a win, a good win. They needed that.
1: What's happened with Trent Barrett and the rumours that they're going to sack all the backroom staff?
0: All these coaches seem to have their own staff that they bring across whenever they move, move into a new team. Steve Georgialis. He's made it
1: abundantly clear and come out publicly and said he wants a job as an assistant coach or a head coach. I think he said he's thrown his hat in the ring for the North Queensland job. Is he head coach material? I think though, what he has shown is he's done a good job of really highlighting the bits where Dean Pay was not doing as an effective job. He has freed up the attack a lot more.
0: Look, I think he still would do a good job as an assistant. Doesn't look like it's
1: going to be at the dogs.
0: Well, it doesn't look like Barrett wants him there. They are getting rid of some of the training and conditioning staff. And to be honest, the teams lack training and conditioning for probably six or seven years. In terms of elite training and conditioning, and I think that's been quite evident. So I'm not saying anybody should get sacked, but at least with that, you can see why... They'd want to bring in their own crew. Tigers, great field goal by Luke Brooks. That would have gone in from 50 or 55 metres. that one. but um, Yeah, it was a great hit. They should have went on with the job, and they, they're lucky to get away with the win.
1: Segment two is the preview of the round 15 action. We start with the Eels versus the Storm. The Eels are starting as favourites in this game, which I'm a little bit surprised by, given how well Melbourne played last week against the the, the Roosters. So the game is at Bank West on a Thursday night. Para do play well at Bank West. For a hard team to beat there. I wonder if we've got enough points in us, the way we've been playing.
0: I'm tipping the storm. They're just playing too well at the moment. I think Sandor Earl comes in. They'll miss Vunavalu. V- Vunavalu's a fantastic winger.
1: Great player. He's big, strong,
0: fast, and direct as well.
1: Jesse Bromwich is out as well. So they've got Vunavalu out, Jesse Bromwich, Cam Munster, and Cam Smith.
0: And Finucane. I'm tipping the storm. They've still got Brinko Lee and Olam and Addo Carr and Pappenheisen. Paro have just been sloppy, and this time I think with Ado and Pappenheisen in the team, they'll, they'll make them pay. My watch out is to watch Big Tino. He's moved in as a starting lock or as a tight prop. I wonder how he's going to go with massive minutes. You know, will he get tired? Will he leave gaps in defence?
1: A number of teams are playing the lock position differently. So you can have a really big Jason Tamalolo almost plays down the middle like another prop lock, locks that are more ball players. Or you can have locks that play a little bit wider on the edges. So he's a big unit, Tino. I, I suspect they're going to use him through the middle.
0: I just think the Storm will be a little bit too good for Para.
1: On the lookout for Para's attack, Reed Marnie and Dylan Brown are both very young. So if Mitchell Moses is calling for the ball, he's going to get it. Now Mitchell Moses has got to learn when to call for the ball and when not to. The ball can't go to him 90% of the time.
0: He's also a bit of a brat, Mitchell Moses. So, you know, you don't want to tick him off He'd probably complain about it A lot of these young kids you see They don't want to pull out
1: The senior guy
0: So they tend to play a backseat a little bit I would like to see Dylan Brown get a little bit more involved for Para. Takes the back seat a little bit too much. I think you're right.
1: Brad Arthur, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are, most of the coaches listen to us, can you get the old pass the ball hole and the, the thing they do for the kids out at training and just get Wonga Blake to just do 500 passes left to right just to see if, you know, we can we can get him to improve his – that would be amazing. Can we try and get the centres and wingers not running out of the line? This is Wonga Blake again. Wonga Blake, Blake Ferguson, Micah Sevo for one of the Saints tries last week for I, mean, I don't know what he was doing. According to G, the Melbourne Storm a good value at two dollars twenty-five. So the next game is the Panthers versus the Sharks. They're, they are, of course, playing for the Matt Moylan Trophy, very prestigious trophy. It's just two hamstrings in bronze.
0: Oh man, our jokes are getting worse.
1: Yeah, it's really bad.
0: Is there any level beyond dad joke territory? Is there like
1: a pop joke? <laughs> yeah. We're in pop joke territory. So the yeah. Panthers versus the Sharks at Panthers Stadium. I think this game will be closer than people think. Panthers are starting a very short price favourites. They're at home. They've been playing amazing. And I think the Sharks have been playing into a bit of form. So I think if the Sharks show up, I don't think the Panthers steamroll them. What do you think?
0: I don't know what I'm going to get with the Sharks anymore. I've, I've kind of just given up. Thanks, G. Okay, next game. <laughs> this whole match is dependent on SJ's hamstring or groin, I should say. If his groin... Is a little bit iffy and they pull him out of the game. Sharks have no chance. I think Penrith will be too good, but I think the Sharks with Sean Johnson will give them a real close game. If he's there, if he's out, no chance. I think Penrith will steamroll them if Sean Johnson's out.
1: You think they'll get steamrolled without Sean Johnson there?
0: He's just basically their whole attack. Sean Johnson's just the conductor. He's threatening the defense. Defense tries to stop him. If they play off him, he steps past them. He's just been brilliant. So He has been. He's been
1: great. He's been playing really well.
0: They're able to score so many points that the other teams can't match them at the moment. Yep. take Sean Johnson away and they lose probably two tries a game.
1: Okay, the Broncos versus the Dragons on Friday night at uh, Suncorp Stadium. If the Dragons can't win this game, they will never be able to beat the Broncos. So the Dragons are short price favorites at thirty. I do think the Broncos will start well. Their first halves are a lot better than their second halves, but I don't think they can contain and sustain an 80 minute performance. I, I just can't see Saints losing this, particularly if Matt Dufty comes to play.
0: I look at the Broncos and I think I just want to believe that they've got something better coming up.
1: Does someone have to put 90 points on them for you to give up on this team this season? Look, like they're conceding like 31 points a game. I mean, I don't, I, they're, they're a shambles.
0: I think the win against Parramatta will really help Saints and I think they'll play really well. I think they'll beat them. With Milford coming back, who... Their team has a few more veterans this time, the Broncos. Payne Haas is out. Was he part of the problem as well? Him, Tevita Panguide, Katoni Staggs, some of these younger guys that have got a lot of hype and big contracts.
1: There's two or three things that have been really good for the Broncos this year. One, Herbie Farnworth. I think the love bugs, he's shown a bit of promise. Katoni Staggs has been really good. And that moustache deserves its own place in the Hall of Fame.
0: Oh, no, I think young Tonopaya's moustache is great. He looked like my friend's Tong and uncles when I was younger. Great moustache, young, fantastic. Great moustache. <laughs> it's a great moustache.
1: I think they've been good. And I think Payne Haas has been good for them this year. And I think they're the three standouts.
0: Yeah, I think I'm looking for positives when I think Saints will beat them by 20.
1: Yeah, I, th- I don't think it'll be close in the end. Again, how does the Broncos win this game? They're conceding 31 points a game. So they have to score... Six tries just to give themselves a chance to win the game.
0: I mean, they have to score
1: 40. You've you got, you got to go out there. You've got to go out there and go, guys, you need to score a try every 11 minutes for us to have a chance yeah. of winning this game. The tr-
0: the trainer will come out and say, hey, you've got to score a try in the next two minutes. Otherwise, you're done.
1: <laughs> well, you're done, right? So the Titans versus Raiders is next. This is going to be a tough game for the Raiders. It's on the Gold Coast. The Titans have been playing really well under... Justin Holbrook, Anthony Don who I rate has come back into the side Brian Kelly had a great game last week. I I really like Jamal Fogarty and Ash Taylor. Ash Taylor's missing a few tackles at the moment. He's he's losing out on contact, so something that they they need to be mindful of. But in attack, Jamal Fogarty and Ash Taylor have looked really good. Having said that, I think the Raiders are an excellent side. They're they're unchanged, and they'd be disappointed if they don't win this game, I would imagine.
0: The Raiders win, I think. They've been playing well. I think having some of these games against the Broncos... And a few of these other games where they can actually rack up a few points. Sort of builds a little bit more confidence in their attack. I think they came up against some of the better sides of Melbourne. And they were very close and they struggled to score a few points. The Titans have lost a little bit of mobility with Jai Arrow out. They've moved Fatuaka into that sort of middle prop lock kind of role. Fantastically agile player. Very skillful. But now they're packing a lot of size. And I wonder if Canberra will be able to take advantage of that. On the fringes where there might be a little bit more space as they tire out. I'm still impressed by the Titans. I like the way they play. I still think they would have won last week's game if Proctor didn't get sent off and they had a couple of those injuries. The Raiders will be too good. The Titans will really put up their hand and give them a real good fight. And maybe they'll take a bite out of the Raiders too.
1: <laughs> okay, moving along to the next game, which is the West Tigers versus the Roosters. Roosters are favourites in this game at $1. thirty-seven. The Roosters have got a couple of key inclusions back this week. They got Brett Morris and Jared Warrior Hargraves back. The starting halves from last week are out. Lachlan Lamb and Luke Keery replaced by, so Kyle Flanagan comes back into the side and Drew Hutchinson. Uh, Sam Walker, he's meant to be the future half there for the Roosters. He's got to be getting closer and closer to making his debut.
0: How many future halves do they have?
1: They've got a lot of halfbacks in the feeder system. This is
0: our future half because, you know, Lachlan Lamb's getting on. He's 21 years old, so we need successors coming through right now.
1: Meanwhile, at Belmore.
0: We're patching up poor Kieran Foran. With bandages, trying to run him out there.
1: Steve Austin, foreign, the $6 million man.
0: With the Roosters this week, is there, there's another Lussick in the NRL. So after Darcy and Joey, now we've got Freddie Lussick on the bench for the Roosters, which is great. Um, like you say, they've got a, a couple of big names back. Jared Warrior, Hargraves is back. Their pack still looks quite strong despite all the injuries, and Brett Morris Gives them a little bit more punch in the back line. I reckon the Roosters will win this week. The Tigers were disappointing against the Dogs, even though they won. They were impressive only in short spurts, and that won't get it done against the Roosters. So I'm looking for a big game from Jimmy Tedesco at the back.
1: He he has a message for you as well. Next week, he's looking for a big podcast from you. He thinks your form's been a bit down as well.
0: Thanks, Jimmy. I'll aim up next week. It's always about improvement, continuous improvement.
1: Thank you, Six Sigma G.
0: Do I at least get a black belt in Six Sigma? I need a black belt in something.
1: Okay, moving along to the next game, which is the uh, Rabbitohs versus the Sea Eagles. Liam Knight is replaced in the back row by Bailey Sirinan. And Jack Johns comes onto the bench for the Sea Eagles. Brandon Elliott's out for the season. Reuben Garrick shifts the fullback. George Tafu is recalled on the wing. And Marty Tapau returns a prop. So Jake Trebojevic goes back to lock, although I don't think it's going to change much the way he plays the game anyway. Cade Cust is going to do a fitness test ahead of the game. Did you see Joel Thompson's tongue and injury from the weekend? It was absolutely disgusting.
0: No, I didn't want to get too queasy about that one, so So you didn't see it? No. I didn't.
1: I'm gonna actually have to follow what's going on in rugby league. I know I know it's difficult. I don't know. I know it's hard.
0: Listen, tongue injuries aren't my thing. <laughs>
1: So, I just I just see, you know, rather than stalking people on Facebook and seeing who's attractive and who's not to try and get on the bed of league, to actually follow the topics of the day would be excellent. Is
0: that a tongue-lashing tee?
1: Ah, very good. Do you have any views at all on this game or should we move right along?
0: I think South will have too much class for Manly. South has got that dynamism that Manly doesn't have with Johnston, Walker, Gagai. When they're on, they're on, you know, they're hard to stop. So Wayne Bennett will be back after his 14 day meal
1: <laughs> and um that's a that's a long lunch yeah he's had to get home delivery
0: he, he has but south's too much class this week i think they'll knock too, me in too, too good. too good All right.
1: right? bulldogs versus warriors will hopoari comes back at fullback
0: my answer to that is can we get any slower
1: I think he's the best fullback at your club.
0: Will Hoppawati is an, a conundrum for me as a Bulldog fan.
1: He was fantastic for you last season, and before he got injured this season, he was playing well.
0: He's very skillful, he, but he just isn't fast enough.
1: Doesn't doesn't miss tackles.
0: Do you know where I think I would play him as a winger?
1: If you have to pick a team tomorrow, I think Will Hoppawati is the best fullback at the club.
0: To see Will Hoppawati come back, he's a good player. He
1: doesn't miss tackles. He's solid.
0: He's very safe. Right? He's a safe player, and he's always been like that. Even when he was at Manly as an 18-year-old, he had amazing hands. He wasn't explosive, but he would always do the job. But I think what's the issue is that fullback is unless he's got pace outside him, and I saw this earlier in the year when we played Parramatta. Parramatta gave him space, but by the time he would passed the ball, the defence had enough time to slide across because he was too slow, right? So they could slide off him. So look, it's great to have him back. Meany back on the wing. Rema Smith, but now we've got Holland and Tim Lafai in the centres. There's just no pace at all. Who wins this game? The Warriors. We don't have the attacking spark to beat them. I mean, who's going to score our tries? And you know, we're up against Cody Nikorima, the danger man. Can I actually apply for government funding like Richard Branson if I own Cody Nikorima Island?
1: The difference is Richard Branson's island is real. Oh, okay. That's where you might run into a bit of problems. Moving along to the last game, Knights versus the Cowboys. I think this will be a good game. It's at McDonald Jones Stadium up in Newcastle. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to get with the Cowboys. Right? They were terrible against the Titans last week. They should have beaten South. So Michael Morgan's a big in the way he played on the weekend. He was he wasn't as good the first first up. By all reports, Valentine Ho- Valentine Holmes is ready to play, so he might actually make an appearance for the Cowboys. In terms of the Knights, Daniel Saifidi, of course, suffered that injury last weekend. He re-injured the same knee so we wish him well and his brother jacob return replaces him so what do you think about this game who's going to win this one g it could be the knights for me
0: i think the knights will beat them i like the way the knights are starting to attack since blake green's come back again i do say they play with a bit more depth and speed and it's made Ponga a lot more dangerous again he's having a lot more of an impact on the game and Tuala in the centres is good. Shibasaki's been really good. I think the Knights will have too much class for the Cowboys overall. They're playing pretty well.
1: Yeah, they are. So just late breaking news. Kevin Proctor has been found guilty after a two and a half hour judiciary hearing. Got a four week ban.
0: So in other words, they felt like they needed to suspend him because it looked kind of like a bite but not seriously enough to suspend him for a really long period.
1: Well, what I understand is they were live streaming our pod. As soon as you said he was going to get off, they knew that there needed to be a suspension handed down. There's also a report here that they didn't appreciate your joke about the irony of Kevin Proctor taking a bite out of a shark.
0: Oh, my God. We We are hitting all the wrong notes tonight. We're on fire. keep on going
1: terrible dad jokes all night
0: it's a halfway suspension
1: well because it was a halfway bite as you mentioned earlier right it wasn't a full it wasn't a traditional bite if you like i think from an nrl perspective he couldn't get off all right that brings to a close the preview of round 15 we'll be right back with segment three all right our third and final segment this week we're going to talk about if you were stranded on an island which five footy players would you take with you and why have you got any honorable mentions yes i do let's go through your honorable mentions i have damien cook yep why who can teach us
0: to run really fast on sand this is provided we're on a sort of deserted sandy island and not an island the size of australia not greenland (laughs) or new Zealand. zealand so damien cook former beach sprinter surf life saving
1: and why do you need to learn how to run on a deserted island? Good
0: question. Don't know. But it, <laughs> sounded, it sounded good at the time. <laughs> but Keep going. You would have done surf life saving, so if someone gets into trouble.
1: It's, when it's a matter of survival, being able to run on the sands is a really important skill. Who else have you
0: got? Jazz Tavanga. Just in case we need some music. Great name. So surely he must, must be musical with that name. You need some music you need to alleviate some of the boredom. That and did his
1: guitar also get shipwrecked with him? Or will he make it from the materials on your deserted island?
0: First name of Jazz. I'm pretty sure he'll be able to use anything he would find to make musical instruments.
1: Okay, great.
0: And Tyril Fuimono from the Dragons, who has the absolute best tribal tattoo in the NRL.
1: Which would be helpful because. <laughs>
0: A lot of Pacific Islanders from Ireland, and I think um, it's, you know, part of the warrior heritage. It would be great to have him.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, have you got any more special mentions there before we go into our top five?
0: I've got one more. Okay. And that is Tevita Panguai Jr., and that's just in case we need somebody to give us haircuts. Excellent. On a deserted island, no barbers are... you will know what to do if the beards get, and hair get too long.
1: My special mentions are, for a similar reason... Jay Arrow, because he looks like someone who knows how to give a haircut with blunt instruments. He'll be able to get two sticks and give us all a haircut.
0: Very good, Jai.
1: I've got Mitchell Pierce because he has a special relationship with animals and he can talk to them. I've got Ben Hunt who will be able to find an enormous amount of money for not doing much.
0: So like a treasure treasure hunter?
1: Like a treasure hunt, yeah, like a pirate treasure hunt. And Nathan Cleary who will be able to film the best TikTok videos for posting online.
0: Well, considering I barely have reception in the middle of Sydney, do you think that your deserted five will have reception? For TikTok?
1: I, I I assumed I landed in Fiji.
0: I guess he'd probably be on a resort then. That's <laughs> right,
1: okay? <laughs> what a resort. All right, who was your top five? I'll start with mine. These are in no particular order, okay? I'm bringing Matty Johns because he'll be fun. Nelson Asofa Salomona, who will be security and be able to kill the wild boars with his bare hands just by punching them.
0: And, f- and fend off any pirates that attack. Ben Hunt, ben Hunt for his treasure.
1: Correct. Former Bulldogs player. St- Stephen Hughes, who will be able to build. He'll be able to. Stephen Hughes is now a builder. He'll be able to build us lodgings. That's important. Now I cheated on this one, G. It's not a footy player. It's Matty Hayden, the ex-Australian cricketer, who is an excellent cook. So at least we'd eat well with the with whatever's there on the island.
0: He'd probably do a better job in defence than the Broncos at the moment.
1: Probably could. Alternatively, we could just walk up to our Port and order from the restaurant, given we're in Fiji, but potato, potato. And finally, I've got the great Phil Gould, who owns a boat and will be able to get me off the island when I need to.
0: How do you know Phil Gould owns a boat?
1: Well, I just do.
0: Okay, sure. That's great. I've gone five current NRL players. So I've gone Josh Dugan, who apparently loves to fish. So we're never going to go hungry. Thanks for that, Josh. I've got Wayne Bennett, very closely linked with (laughs) you. Are (laughs) you hungry? Possibly. He's been proven to, you know, even breach strict protocols to get a meal. So he's someone you kind of want on a deserted island. He'll find food anywhere despite the restrictions.
1: Aren't you worried with Wayne Bennett on the island? You're going to stand there and go, Wayne, are we all in agreement? These are the rules. You're not going to eat the apple. And then 10 minutes later, he's eating the apple and he'll go, oh, these rules are too complicated.
0: (laughs) I'm happy to take him.
1: It's a risk you're willing to run. It
0: is. is. You're also jealous to work together. Um, Sean Johnson, just because he's Sean Johnson. Yeah, why you want to stare
1: at him of with course. his shirt
0: off, yep. No, just, just because. Yeah. Toby Rudolph, because he's the closest thing to Aquaman, and I figure if the seas get a bit rough, you know, he'll be able to tame things for us. So, a bit of um supernatural seafood. Can I ability. ask you why,
1: yeah. why you need the seas to be tamed if you're on the island?
0: Who knows, but it sounded... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you... And the last one is Raymond Fatala Mariner, because with a surname like Mariner, you got to know what you're doing with the boat. So yeah, okay. if we need any a seafaring vessel, Raymond should be able to help us out. I've got to
1: be honest with you, I think my five gets us out of trouble better than yours.
0: Well, we've got command of the seas, we've got fishermen.
1: You've got one fisherman. If
0: you look at the size of Toby Rudolph and Raymond Fatala Mariner. You're going to have to catch a lot of fish. <laughs> We'd have to catch a lot of fish. <laughs> gonna so have to. Josh might have a fishing all day. Josh Dugan, he thought the NRL was pressure. God.
1: <laughs> he's, gonna to, need a net.
0: he's gonna need a net
1: all right what else has caught your eye this week in the world of sport G before we sign off
0: I just want to call out Brent Naden I think there's been a lot spoken about the incident on Saturday and I just want to say I think it's fantastic that we've come to a point where he can say you know what that's not acceptable behavior and actually report it and now have something done about it I think that's wonderful to see and fact like that had on Adam Goods. And it was terrible. So I think it's wonderful that now you've got Brent Nader. It's like, hey, hang on a sec. This is not acceptable. I'm reporting it. and Something's been done about it pretty much straight away. And it's it's great to see us move towards that. I know we follow football, soccer. Some of the stuff that happens there is outrageous, really.
1: Oh, the, the Italian, the Serie A is the worst. The worst.
0: You know, they just pretend like it doesn't exist. Or they'll say, oh, you know, we didn't hear that. That person's making things up. So it's it's great that we take these issues seriously here and we've really moved to the point where players can make a complaint and just say this is kind of unacceptable.
1: It's disappointing that he even had to deal with it. I thought the NRL did a great job. I thought Brett Naden did a great job on on that front and it's just disappointing that we still have to deal with this you know prejudice in this day and age in 2020.
0: I think it's great that he's able to call them out. he feels comfortable that something's going to be done about it, which I think is really important. And it looks like something will be done about it. So I think that's wonderful.
1: And Andrew Andrew Abdo came out straight away. So he did a fantastic job as well. Straight away, he came out with a statement. No ifs or buts about it. From my end, the one thing, it it is, I know we've had a rough year, everybody. All of us have ended up in a place that we didn't imagine at the beginning of the year. I actually think at the moment, the sport of sport, that's... (laughs) That's on at the moment is fantastic. A
0: little bit of a distraction at times, right?
1: Club knockout Champions League in Europe is fantastic. I really like one single leg, one venue, get it all done in two weeks. The NBA playoffs is looking really great. And Damian Lillard's been absolutely spectacular for the Portland Trailblazers. And I'm, and I'm a little bit worried about my Lakers and how they're going to go against Portland in round one. And that kicks off tomorrow.
0: With LeBron uh, Fanua Blake.
1: <laughs> With LeBron Fanua Blake playing for them.
0: We mentioned other sports. We watch Italian football. There's a wonderful Italian football writer called Niki Bandini, formerly Paolo. Um, she's brilliant at the analysis of the Italian Serie A and they had an end-of-season award. The Bandinis. There was a comment made by Antonio Conte, T, I want to draw your attention to, that caught my eye that he's just...
1: Antonio Conte is a coach for Internazionale, coach
0: coached Italy as well.
1: He's coached Italy. He uh, was a great player back in his day as well, so real legend of the sport. And his quote was, and I quote, In periods of competition, it should not last long. You need to put in the minimum effort possible, So it's best if their partner is on top. It's preferable to do it with your own wife. That way you are not obliged to put in an exceptional performance. (laughs) He is, of course, referring to his players' sex lives. And I'll read that again. In periods of competition, it should not last long. I don't know what to say. You need to put in the minimum effort possible. So it's best if their partner is on top. It's preferable to do it with your wife. That, that way you are not obliged to put in an exceptional performance. Well, and please. on that note, we draw the G&T show to a close this week. Thanks again, G, for this week, and, and, and we'll see you next week.
0: See you next week, T.